Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Uh, Today we continue our series uh, looking at what is church. Uh, We continue on in Revelation to the last chapter, Revelation chapter 22. And we see how in that chapter, um, we look to God's vision of the world and how we are all invited into that holy work of calling people in. Come in, come in, come in. And we together build the beloved community where all might experience the fullness of love, joy, peace, and hope. Uh, Check out the sermon here. One of my uh, favorite classes in college was called Intro to Acting. Uh, By senior year, I had finished up most of the credits for my uh, majors, and I had the opportunity to take a few electives that I had wanted to take. So I took uh, Naked Eye Astronomy, I took coral reefs, I took voice, but my favorite of them all was acting. And I remember it was the first day of class, about 12 of us uh, in a studio classroom. We were sitting on the the floor. We were stretching and we were starting to get warmed up. We were uh, moving our bodies. And and the professor calls out to me and says, Joe, uh, why don't you come over and sit in the middle or or stand in the middle? We're going to do a scene together. I had no idea what she was talking about, but participation points. So I got up, I walked over, and I, I waited for further instruction. And she said, we're, we're going to be two friends on a hike. We're going to explore a, a new part of a trail that we've never been on. Ready? Action. So I did my best. I pretended to put on my backpack. I, I put on my hat. I applied my sunscreen. Uh, she checked her bag. I said, hey, do you want any sunscreen? It looks like it's going to be hot and muggy with the sun beating down on us all morning. And she replied, really? It doesn't feel that hot to me. Oh, okay. Uh, I walked a little bit more. I I squatted the air and I said, hey, did you bring bug spray? These mosquitoes are huge. She said, where? I don't see anything. Okay. I exclaimed, hey, check out all the fish in the river. And she goes, fish? There's no fish in the river. This went on for a few minutes. Me trying to engage with her something, anything, and her shooting down and shutting me down over and over and over. And and we were debriefing, and she she asked how it felt. I said, pretty terrible. (laughs) And she said, exactly. Acting is about cooperation and accepting each other's ideas. From, from here on out, there is no bad idea. Every response will begin with yes and. And I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun. Wow, look at all the fish in the river. Yes, and that one is huge. Yes, and he looks angry. Yes, and he's coming straight toward us. Yes, and we need to get out of here. Yes, and I can't find the boat. Yes, and I would later find out that this practice of yes, and would would come in handy in other places other than theater. I remember I was working in Washington, D.C. We were, we were trying to pass the Trafficking Victims Reauthorization Act in 2011, and we were working on ways to get local con- constituents engaged with their elected officials. And a group of us, we were representing different organizations and and different denominations. We were sitting in a conference room trying to come up with all these ideas. And every time someone offered something, another person would knock it down. Like, that won't work. Oh, we tried that before. That cost too much. And this went on for almost half an hour until I remembered that yes and practice. 
And so as a way of facilitating conversation and allowing creativity and innovation and cooperation, we made a covenant to not discount or discourage any ideas until we went through a couple of yes ands. That's pretty cool. I don't know about you, but I I feel like our world and society could use a whole lot more of yes ands. With all the brokenness and suffering around us, doesn't it kind of feel like we're stuck? With the current state of Christianity and the church today, with all that's happening in the news. I'm wearing this orange stole again today. Orange being the color of the gun violence prevention movement because this week, 19 children and two teachers were gunned down at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas. About a week after a shooting at a Taiwanese church in California, two weeks after the shooting outside a supermarket in Buffalo, that left 10 dead, almost 10 years after the deadly shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary that left six adults and 20 children dead. And meanwhile, our country continues to do nothing except offer thoughts and prayers when clearly that's not enough. Surely we could be more creative and cooperative in our problem solving. The same goes for the rise of hunger and homelessness and houselessness, the the, the impact of climate change, the increase of hate crimes and racially motivated violence, the challenges of addictions and depression. The, The same goes for the global church experiencing decline and lack of relevancy, unsure how to live together in community. Surely we could be more creative and cooperative in our problem solving. But maybe not. Finley Eversole, the philosopher and activist, he wrote in The Politics of Creativity that in our society, at the age of five, 90% of the population measures in high creativity. But by the age of seven, that number drops to 10%. And for adults, 2%. We've lost our ability to dream a world different than what we know. I think we lack the imagination and creativity to make a better world possible. And I, I think that John's world is not too different from our world. Remember, John and his readers, they were uh, living towards the end of the first century in a time when, according to the church historian Eusebius, he, the Christians were being persecuted for their faith. The, the Roman emperor at the time, in an effort to increase his power and maintain his persona as a god, as a deity, he required that all the people declare him as Lord. And the Christians refuse, and they're crucified on crosses. They're, they're killed as sport at the Colosseum, and the empire maintains its grip on society. The empire creates policies and discriminatory practices that elevated the few and and kept the rest marginalized and oppressed. There was greed for material wealth and the desire for power. It's these things that governed the ruling class with fewer and fewer people having access to resources fewer and fewer having the ability to live happy and healthy lives. 
So when John sees his vision of Christ as the final victor, as the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, John is seeing a world no longer ruled by the rhythms of our world. The rise and fall of empires and kingdoms are no more. It's Jesus who will guide and lead, ushering in a new world order that challenges the systems and institutions that we have set up, where the rich get richer, where the first stay the first, where, where we are left fighting over resources without trusting and sharing in God's abundance. It's Jesus who calls out, come, so that everyone who is thirsty is invited to be present together, sharing in the water of life. Not death, but life and life abundant. And get this, verse 17, it also challenges us to do the inviting. You see, it's not just Jesus through the Spirit who says, come, but also let everyone who hears say, come. That's us. That's you and that's me. That's us. <laughs> We, too, must be the ones who are inviting the community and the world to come and drink from the waters of life, all of us together as beloveds, drinking from that blessed gift, come. But here's where it gets interesting for me. See, verses 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. You know, often I, I think we try to apply this verse, this, this text in particular, to, to mark the inerrancy of the Bible. As, as in we, we focus so much on the literal words that are found here, and we hold them so sacred that we lose sight of the meaning. I don't, I don't think this was John's intent. Because you see, while, while this book written by John is inspired by and made known to him by the angel. In other words, these aren't John's words. These aren't John's visions. He is conveying the vision that God has for the world. So when, it's, when it says we add to God's vision or when we take away from God's vision, that's when we are missing the mark. It's, it's when we make God's vision synonymous to our vision that we experience the plagues and lose our share in the tree of life. It's when we make God's vision synonymous to our vision when we hurt each other, when we cause each other pain, when we break our covenant to be in community, when we lose sight of the belovedness in one another. Here's the thing. I, I think that there's a lot of making God's vision look a little too much like our vision going on today in our society, in church. We pass laws in the name of God that keep people oppressed. We legislate women's bodies in the name of God. 
We refuse to even open up conversations about guns and gun safety all in the name of God and our God-given rights. I think we do this in church too. See, the United Methodist Church still says that homosexuality is incompatible with the teachings of Christ and our LGBTQ siblings are unfit for marriage, unqualified to serve God as ordained ministers to serve the church. And even in the local context, as we live into this institution of church, we we hold on to things for our own success, for our own power, for our own control, for our vision. We create rules to keep people out, all in the name of God. This needs to stop. We need to stop. The empires we've built today, these empires on on the foundations of greed and power, on on the promises of money and riches, on on white supremacy and and creating classes of of others, these, these empires must be brought down so that God's vision can take hold and we can live fully into the abundant life that God offers to you and to me And to the world, it's not easy. It won't be easy. But it's absolutely necessary. It's absolutely necessary for us to trust in that promise. Because Christ is coming soon. And by by that I mean that the embodiment, the, the living embodiment of hope and joy and peace and love for all the world must be coming soon. I want to be part of that. I hope you do too. So I want to leave you with these words from a Franciscan blessing. It goes like this. May God bless you with discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer pain, rejection, hunger, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and to turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world so that you can do what others claim cannot be done to bring justice and kindness to all our children and the poor. May it be so for you, for me, for our church, for our communities. May it be true for the sake of our world. Amen? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for this time together, for the discomforts, for the challenges, for the times when we feel that righteous anger at all that is happening around the world. We give you thanks, and we pray for the inspiration and the boldness to be your people, to live out the faith you call us to live, that we might see the world in which you envision come into fruition.
Be with us on this long journey and help us to inch closer to that beloved community day by day, moment by moment. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was this week's sermon on what is church. Uh, Next week, we're going to wrap up this series by looking to Pentecost and the birth of the church and see how God might be leading us as we look back to the roots. Uh, Today, uh, in service, though, we uh, challenged and encouraged um, those who are worshiping with us to... uh, do some work to to write their congressperson or to call the the capital switchboard and to uh, advocate uh, for our congresspeople uh, to work towards ending and reducing gun violence. Um, I don't know what that might mean for you, but I think at the very least we can say that children dying in schools is not okay. And how we go about causing those changes to happen in our communities, in our society, um, you have a voice. And so we want to encourage you to take um, action, to step out of, of your comfort zone maybe, and to take a stand against gun violence in our country, in our communities, um, as we live out our faith. Uh, Next week again, uh, we're going to wrap up this series. So uh, until then, we hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we'll talk to you soon.